to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. Hi, everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to this week's episode of the Life Lessons Podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing great. I have something weird to share. You know how we talk about if something seems wrong, keep pursuing it? Yeah, like follow your intuition. Well, my front yard has been like super, super wet for like a year. My ditch is always wet. It holds water. Like the lawn crew can't even mow it. They have to weed whack it. I went and walked in it one day and sunk up to my knees in the ditch. Was it quicksand? I always thought, you know, in the 70s, if you're a child in the 70s, you knew you were going to die from quicksand. That was how everyone was always trapped in quicksand. Well, that's what it felt like. I sunk down. I couldn't get my legs out and I had to lay down to pull one leg out at a time. Anyway, my lawn guy was here yesterday and he has mowed this lawn for probably 15 years on and off because he mowed it for people that lived here before me. And he called me yesterday while he was mowing. He said, could you come outside for a second? And I said, sure. And I went outside and he said, I think I finally figured out what's going on with your ditch. He said, I think you have a water main leak. And I'm like, why do you think that? Well, there's this whole area in my yard that I never walk in that is so wet that when you step on it, like water just comes up out of the earth and soaks. It's like saturated. And um, so I called the water department. A guy came out here today and he was like, "Uh, you have a leak in your water main. We're going to have to tear up your yard and figure out where it's at. So this has been gone for a long time. Have you had really high water bills? Well, no, because it's before my meter. So that's not your responsibility. Mm-mm, it's their responsibility. That is fabulous. Because, well, you would have known. We had something at, at our house in Augusta and it was like crazy and some kind of old irrigation system in the back and it kept getting leaks here and there. And we would have like a crazy month and we were used like... They're like, do you live at a commercial facility? (laughs) Well, you know, I had that problem a couple months ago where my dog stepped on a hidden water faucet in the backyard and had turned it on a little bit. And the water company came out and said, we think you have a water leak. Your water consumption's through the roof. And so they took care of that. They gave me a credit, whatever that's handled. But this is outside and the water pipe runs under my driveway. I need a new driveway. Secretly hoping they have to dig up my driveway. (laughs) (laughs) Fingers crossed. I know. I'm like, maybe I'll get a new driveway out of this deal. Of course, it won't work that way. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, like I knew there was something wrong. I just really didn't take the time to pursue what the problem was. And I probably could have this solved a long time ago. Well, now's the time. Well, today we have a great news story that was emailed to us by Rachel. And she wrote, hi, Jen and Sherry. I love listening to the Life Lessons podcast. It feels like a conversation with friends. I always love the good news stories. And a few weeks ago, I had an experience that I had to share. My daughter and I were taking a week-long vacation to the mountains of northern Georgia. We had just started the drive, about a day's drive from our home, and were about an hour away from home on a small county road when I accidentally hit some roadkill lying in the middle of the road. I thought I'd be able to straddle over it, but I misjudged how big it was, and we heard a loud thunk on the underside of the car. A few minutes later, the car started making a loud rhythmic knocking sound that seemed to be coming from the wheels. As I sped up, it got faster, and as I slowed down, it got slower. So we were in the middle of nowhere, and I was worried I had damaged the car and feared we would not be able to go on our trip. Roadside assistant said it would be four-hour wait for service. I debated driving home, but I worried about driving that far with a damaged car. So we Googled and found the nearest mechanic, which was 15 miles away. 
and I drove slowly to Martin Automotive Service in Sylvester, Georgia. When I explained our predicament, they immediately came out to look at the car. Fortunately, it was just a loose lower engine cover, which had come loose when I had run over the debris in the road. Five minutes and a few zip ties later, they had us back on the road again. I was so relieved and thankful for their quick help. They also refused to take any money for their service and just told us to have a great trip. So if you're ever in need of a mechanic in Southern Georgia, I highly recommend visiting Martin Automotive in Sylvester. Thank you for all you do to make such a wonderful podcast. Well, thank you. Yep, that is wonderful, Rachel. And it sounds like friends talking because that's what it is. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's so much fun. I was in the pool today for water aerobics and I was telling somebody about this podcast and I was like, oh, you should listen. It's a great friend of mine, Sherry. We have so much fun doing the podcast. I might have met them at water aerobics. You didn't meet this one. She wasn't coming. She just started coming. She's a little closer to our age. You know, people at the water aerobics are usually a little older than me and you, but seems like she's really close to our age. So. Well, and she lives like right on the corner from me in this part of the neighborhood. So, so hopefully she'll start to listen. I, the people in the water aerobics are fantastic, and but just in general, it's a retirement community, and I'm only fifty three and retired, so that's unusual. <laughs> Not everyone here is retired, by the way. It's <laughs> just in general. All right, so listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service like Martin Automotive and Sylvester. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. Before we get to the life lesson of the week, I want to mention all of the amazing companies that are featured at jenstevens.com slash cleanish. The subtitle of cleanish is eat mostly clean, live mainly clean, and unlock your body's natural ability to self-clean. And I'm pretty good about that one. I support my body's natural self-cleaning by doing intermittent fasting. I walk on the beach, which is grounding, all of those things. But I really needed to work on the other areas of my life. When it comes to eating mainly clean, I rely on meals from Green Chef, window openers from Daily Harvest, and clean wines from Dry Farm Wines. I also needed to make a lot of changes in the products I used on my body and what I used to clean my house. So I've switched to Beauty Counter for my makeup, skincare, shampoo, and conditioner, and to Branch Basics for my household cleaning needs. So if you go to jenstevens.com slash cleanish, There are links to purchase Cleanish if you haven't read that yet, as well as links with special offers to all of those favorite clean companies that I just mentioned. And now it's time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are talking with Casey Train, a member of the Life Lessons VIP community. And I'm going to be completely honest, just because that's who I am. Casey was not scheduled to record with us today. We had another guest scheduled for today and she did not show up to record. And in a panic, I thought, what are we going to talk about? And I love Casey. She has so many great lessons to share. And she has a great journey that she has taken with her husband. And she shares a lot about it on social media. And so I just uh, dialed her up real quick and said, Casey, we need you. And uh, she dropped what she's doing and she jumped on the computer. So we're just going to talk to her today about the journey that her husband and her have taken over the past few years and what she has learned. So welcome. Thank you. You bailed us out, Casey. Well, thank you guys for allowing me to do this. I mean, I think the more that we talk about it, the more natural and okay we're making it. It's okay to have problems in your marriage. Yep. And everyone has them. (laughs) You know, everyone, marriage is hard and for every single marriage. And that is important for everybody to understand. It's not like in the forever after fairy tale and then they lived happily ever after. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. And listen, if you're on Instagram or you're on Facebook and you're watching these people and they're posting their picture perfect family and their husband who is like, you know, woman's dream, it's probably not real. (laughs) I'm just going to say there is no perfect marriage. No, there's not. So before we get into the story today, what is the lesson you hope to share with our listeners? My lesson is to get help early on because you think that 
you're going to figure it out or he's going to, we had so many come to Jesus meetings, you know, and I would be all hopeful that things were going to change. And then they just slip right back into the same pattern. And that's because our attachment systems, that's just kept what we kept going back to. And that's what you learn in EFT counseling is that you have an attachment system and often it's damaged and your damage attachment system kind of makes all these poor decisions for you. And yeah, I just get help early and just try to, I mean, I think men have such a harder time with this than women. I think most women are pretty willing to go to counseling. It's the men that tend to hold back or say they don't need that or they refuse to go. Or, I mean, I've heard so many different stories now that I've shared my story. Women are feeling really comfortable to reach out to me and ask me questions and stuff. And sometimes I'm like, I'm not the expert here, but let me what I learned, you know. I'm going to consider this the universe is speaking exactly how it was meant to. Because yesterday, Chad and I had a one of those come to Jesus conversations, you know, moving is stressful. He's newly retired. We had one of those talks, but we do tend to fall back in those old patterns. Like you said, we've been married since 1991 and it's always the same circular conversation. So I am very, very excited. We have not, we've been to, to marriage therapy or couples therapy twice. And the first one was not a good fit. You know, no, you know, if you've ever had bad therapy, you know it. <laughs> and the second one was a much better fit. But then the pandemic happened. We couldn't get appointments. Then after the pandemic, they weren't weren't taking new people or taking people back. So I really feel like hearing about this emotionally focused therapy is something that the universe needs me to hear today. And probably a lot of listeners need to hear it as well. So I'm really, really excited for the topic. Great. I, like I said, I am happy to talk about it. I think before I was always afraid to talk about it because it would make me look like, I don't know, just like a failure. I don't, that's about the best way I can explain it. So just, I think my age group, you know, this generation, I'm 52. It's like, you know, you just be a good wife. This is what you're supposed to do that, you know, and, and men in that same generation were, were raised in a way that they, this is what they think women are supposed to do. And I hope I'm making sense here, but it's just, we need to start changing that. And the way we change that is to be educated, to, you know, open our minds to just different things and understanding and, um, and raising children that know the difference between a good and bad relationship. Is it fair to say, okay, a marriage takes two. Healing a marriage that is dysfunctional takes two. I mean, you can't force, I mean, you could, you could force somebody into therapy, but they have to really be open to it or it's going to be an absolute waste of time. I 100% agree. And that's why I feel so fortunate that my husband was willing to go to counseling. But I'm going to tell you, that came at the cost of, you know, a lot of emotional hurt in the process of trying to get to that point, if that makes sense. It's like, you know, why didn't we do this, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, it had to come to for my husband, who is, you know, stubborn, and can be very thick headed, you know, I literally had to say, I want a divorce. And then it was like, Oh, we should probably do something. <laughs> like, I want to say that might be a very similar conversation to what I had yesterday. But <laughs> I felt hurt in that I thought, really, it has to come down to me saying, I want a divorce. For you to decide, oh yeah, now we really need to do something. I mean, we had done church classes. And well, I'm going to say men are, I think, really adept at sort of putting on blinders and thinking like, oh, everything's going to be okay. I think they just tell themselves, everything's going to be fine. It's not that bad. She's nagging a lot right now, but she doesn't really mean it. And you literally have to, I think of the old cartoons, hit them upside the head with the frying pan to get them to be like, oh, wow, she's serious. And that could be very frustrating, like extremely frustrating because you're like, I've already said all this 150 times. You heard it probably twice. Yeah, that's what I said. you heard it twice, but I've said it in so many ways. And women are masterminds at subtly, you know, stuff. Men need literally the frying pan across the head. 
And I think that was my husband's like, I want a divorce. I'm not happy. I'm not, you know, and I just feel so bad that I let it get to the point that it was. I mean, like, uh, it was just for me, it was not good at all. Well, tell us about emotionally focused therapy and how that's different. The way emotional focus therapy works is you come in as couples and then you do individual counseling, you know, with your, and I don't know if they're all different to be, they're licensed. So you have a therapist that's licensed in EFT. We just happen to have a fantastic counselor named Steve. He would be awesome for your guys' podcast. He's hilarious. He just made Todd feel comfortable the day one. I mean, that was so important to me. I was actually glad it was a man because I think sometimes us, you know, there's two women sitting there and the guy, he's like, oh, great, here we go. Does Todd take virtual clients? That's what I want to know. So he was, um, so Steve was just, yeah, he made us feel really comfortable. And so EFT just really digs into the, that's why it's called emotionally focused. They, he gets down to the emotion of what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You learn that, like I was saying earlier, when we were doing our pre-talk, that you have an attachment system and something happens to your attachment system. Oftentimes you are too young to even remember it. Like for my husband, I hope he's going to be okay with me sharing this. We determined in counseling that his was when his parents got divorced. He was six. His attachment system said, I'm never feeling this way again. I'm never going to feel hurt. I'm never going to feel like somebody left me or, you know, and then for mine, it was abandoned from my mother and father and just other issues. So my attachment system, kind of the same thing. It's like, you know, I just don't want to deal with these things. But the way I dealt with it was trying to pursue people and always trying to make it right and not make sure nothing happens where Todd is a distancer. So he just moves away from it just like it didn't happen. You know, that is funny that you said that. I think I probably have your husband's attachment style and you have my husband's. I'm when you hurt me enough or you disappoint me enough, I'm going to put that wall up and I'm going to step away and then I'm done. Like I have this armor and and now you have to penetrate it. My husband though, he's the clinger and he's got abandonment issues. Okay. Pursuer protesters hate that word. Well, So the more I'm trying to get space, the more he's trying to pull me back in and soothe me and pacify me. But soothing and pacifying me doesn't take care of the problem. I mean, you're saying something and you're telling me what you want, but that underlying problem that was making me pull away, it's still there. But I mean, I can see, I guess, by how understanding what your attachment style is that you can figure out why you're not able to address it in a way that both people are satisfied. Yeah. See, these are things that I think more somebody that's a professional in this could answer better, but I know there's emotional focus therapy, even for individuals, it's not just a couple's only thing. And because of all of the theories behind it work both ways. But if you're doing your individual sessions and then you're coming together and, you know, you're learning about like why you got to this point, why you got to this point. And then when you're together, you're like, okay, so this is Casey's style. This is Todd's style. How do we do this? You know, and there's going to have to be some changing that, that happens if you have to be open to that. And if you're not, then you're probably not going to have a marriage that's going to survive. What I really like about the sound of that is the fact that you each had your own individual sessions with him and then you came together because thinking back, you know, we've gone through marriage counseling two times and both times it was just us in a room with the person and it it was hard to talk openly, you know, right, right there, but I can really see that I might be able to say some things separately and he could say some things separately that would be very valuable. Right. Without fear of hurting your partner or making your partner mad or whatever. Yes. And I think a good therapist will do that. will give you both the opportunity to meet individually, especially if you're, if it's a real, I call it like a real hot button topic. And like, he wants to see your part and then come together and say, okay, what, this is what Casey feels like. This is what you feel like, or, you know, whatever, or or just sometimes we've never talked about our individual sessions because it's more about our individual selves. It's not really anything to do with us. It's just us trying to continue to work through. And this process for us has been 
you know, we were like two years now and it's been slower because Todd never had counseling. He's never done that before. Now I have, I've had a lot of counseling. So I kind of started out at like, you know, space number six, you know, <laughs> to get to 10 and he's still at one. You know, our counselor was really upfront and I think he did it in a real professional and caring way and said, Todd, it's just going to be a little bit different for you because you've never done this before. We're just delving into some of the stuff that really is driving your attachment system. And, you know, and Casey's over here like, yeah, she's kind of done all this before. She knows kind of why she's the way she is. And, you know, but. So you're running and doesn't even know how to crawl. Yeah, you know, pretty much. But it's, I don't know, like I said, it's just so much harder for men to come into that deep place that they need to get to. And also vulnerability is just the hardest thing for so many men. Women can be vulnerable a lot easier, not all women and not in all circumstances and times and, you know, just things that happen to you, like, I think, reduce your vulnerability in certain situations. But when it comes to a husband and a wife, husbands need to be vulnerable. And I think that they underestimate the power of that in their relationship. Women find vulnerability extremely attractive. That is very, very true. And I realized, by the way, I apologize. I got your husband and the therapist's name backwards. Your husband is Todd. Todd and Steve. Now I've got it. But you're right that vulnerability, it's actually like sexy to hear instead of your husband being defensive or attacking, we want to hear you know, at a deeper level, because so so often it's either attacking or defensive, one or the other. The times I have felt the absolute closest to my husband is when he has really let his guards down and he has said, I'm feeling this way because, or I'm afraid of this, or, you know, this really hurt me. And so this is why I react that way. When he can get really real like that, that is when I feel the absolute closest to him. He doesn't have that man guard up. He doesn't have that, you know, tough guy exterior, like, I don't have a problem. You have a problem, you know, it like that when he's able to like put that on a shelf and he's able to say like, it really hurts me when you do this, or I feel this way because this happened to me in the past. Because when everybody's amped up, right, when he's defensive or he's angry, I'm going to match that energy. I'm going to get amped up and I'm going to get angry and we're not going to get anywhere. But when he's able to really like take it down and calm down and really talk about his feelings, now I slow down so much. And then, you know, my empathy and sympathy can come out and like we can have a real conversation and make progress. I've never thought about that, but vulnerability in men is something that we really need to, I guess, teach them. We need to foster it. Going back to what you were just saying, Sherry, I think when you're matching energy, that's something that we learned in counseling is that sometimes one person's energy is way higher and to match it is the worst thing you can do. It also, it just for me, so like if I'm the one that's all amped up and Todd comes at me with that same energy, that does not help me at all. It makes me feel worse. What I need from him is for him to come in and say, hey, I'm not sure what's going on. I feel like we're getting, you know, a little heated here. Let's, you know, back this down a little bit. Be the one that's kind of like smoothing it over. Because for so long, I was always the smoother. And you get really exhausted in that role of being the smoother, of always having to try to fix it or make it right or just want it to be right. And again, that goes back to being a pursuer protester. My anxiety is soothed by making sure everything is okay. So, and like I said, Todd being withdrawal distancer, like you were saying, Sherry, you are, your anxiety is soothed by walking away. <laughs> so, you know, when you're like this, it's like, this is the perk. You're going the complete opposite direction. And I can't say that we do it every single time now, but it's so much better than it was. I mean, night and day difference than what it used to be. So you communicate better with each other than you did before. Yeah. And Steve taught us a phrase, it's uh, state the obvious. Don't tiptoe around and, you know, like, again, women, subtle, throwing crap around in the in the dishes and, you know, uh, slamming, you know, whatever, because they want their husband to know they're mad. They don't want to just come out and say, I'm mad at you, you know. So then, you know, the husband, it's just this cycle. I mean, I probably don't have to explain it to you guys because you've done it. <laughs> 
I've done it too. And so it's like, instead of all of that, just state the obvious. You know, we had company three weeks in a row, like coming each week. And that meant I had to get the whole entire upstairs clean so they could stay up here. And then I was, I'm still remodeling the downstairs. And I was overwhelmed. And I looked at my husband like the night before we had the company showing up. And I said, hey, I'm overwhelmed and I need you to do something. Whatever it is, just do something. I don't even care. I, well, what do you want me to do? I can't even think about what I need you to do. Just look around and try look to find around and find something that needs to be done and do that thing. And sometimes, you know, what I think is funny is I'll even laugh. I can hear myself in my head. I can see my husband's face. And I think he's, because we had such a different dynamic for so long, I think he's sometimes surprised at this new Casey. Like, oh, wow, she's really not going to take this anymore, you know, or, you know, whatever it is. And I will stand my ground. And just, or I'll just say, look, don't do that. I'm not going to do that with you. And that's powerful. You got to break that cycle. He'll do the same thing. Don't get me wrong. It's not just him. He does the same thing to me. And also in that aspect, I personally enjoy, sounds going to sound weird, being held accountable. Because I know when somebody is trying to do that, they care about you. They love you. They wouldn't be saying that if they didn't. So, but Todd or a lot of men hear it as criticism. They don't want you to come down on them. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't, you know, so we have these you know, opposite personalities that way. And it's hard, I mean, to balance that out. And so I try to, I'm going to approach him differently than he's probably going to approach me because I know he's a little more sensitive to that kind of stuff. He knows my sensitivities better than he did. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> so, I can tell you, oh my gosh, some of the conversations that we've had have been hilarious. You said something earlier and I kind of like a little bell went off in my head because I don't remember exactly what you said, but I thought when Eric and I are heated, when we are just not seeing eye to eye, I will do this. Listen, I can't talk to you about this right now. Like I need some space. Like we'll revisit this later. And he is the more, no, we're going to hash this out right now. We're not going to bed angry. We, if, if you're mad, I need to know what it is and we need to fix it right now. And I'm like, dude, get out of my space. I don't want to look at you or talk to you right now. I love Eric. Can I just say that? Like, I'm an Eric, you know, and like I said, that's just his anxiety. He's just, and when you say anxiety, even men get a little weird about that too. That is the driving thing of that is anxiety. Because you don't want to be thinking about the future or you want it to be finished. You don't want to have to keep thinking about it and what's this going to happen later. Yes. You just, because that, you know, you want that food right then. You want, okay, I can't go to sleep like this and she's mad at me or, you know, so he's got all these things going through his mind. And, and so I totally can understand that. And I think once, if you guys were doing EFT, eventually you get to the point where you could say, hey, I love you. I want to talk about this, but just right now, I'm probably going to say things that aren't conducive to us resolving this. So let's table this and we'll talk about it later. And you have to talk about it later. You can't be a tabler and then never comes back to the table. <laughs> that was my husband for so long. Well, I don't want to talk about this now. Okay. Then we never talked about it again. So, and that's for a pursuer protester like your husband, that doesn't work. They need that stuff talked about and somehow some kind of resolution that helps them. But on your side of the things, just like on Todd's, it's hard because you don't want to do that. <laughs> like you're like, I don't want to do this right now. <laughs> Table it forever. <laughs> you know, we're good. I'm over it. And men get over things so much easier than we women do. Well, I don't know. I wouldn't make that blanket statement. I am married to, to a rememberer who has stored up, apparently, it didn't come out till right around 2019. I don't know what happened. Maybe the list was full and it just needed to come out. But I started hearing about things I'd done in the 90s. I'm like, what? Like, you were mad at that? And he still brings that up. And I'm like, well, you should have said that then. I had no idea. Is your husband a pursuer protester too? I don't know what he is. He could be. He was abandoned in his youth, you know. The pursuer protester usually is the keeper of wrongs. Oh, he's got the wrong. Then, then I will pretty much, if that's the definition <laughs> of it, then that is him. No, that's not the I am, and I'm so like probably dumbing this down. And anybody that is a professional in EFT is probably going to like plug their ears. That's not it. Well, anyone who keeps the list of wrongs, that is what Chad is because he 
And I didn't even, because I let things go. I'm like, it's all right. We're moving on. You're more like me. Forgive, forget, move on. It's over. It happened. We're moving on. Don't do that anymore. But he's like, yeah, but remember, because you kept doing that back in 2007. And then you did it again in 2008. And then I have a feeling you're going to do it again tomorrow. I'm like, well, I haven't done it in a long time. He's like, but you did do it. You did do that. (laughs) A lot of times those personalities, and that was, is me, is because words mean nothing to me, honestly. Like, you know, people who were supposed to love me the very most in the entire world left me. So when you have that as a child and you're and that's your attachment system, you don't believe what anybody says, really. That's so interesting to hear that that is so bad. And then if you do have experience like in your relationship and things have happened, it's just like a reinforcement for my personality type. You know, oh, yep. Yeah. I get you just like spoke it. That's exactly what it's like because he, same exact situation and the abandonment kind of a thing. It's his story to tell, not mine, but deep abandonment, both sides, both mom and dad. And But exactly like you said, the words don't matter. What matters is what did I do and say in 2007? <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, when I say that, I mean like your actions say really what you're feeling. So somebody say, you know, oh, I'm, I'm never going to leave you. And really, we're like, yeah, we'll see how that works out. And that's why it's so important, honestly, to, to just do what you say you're going to do. And when your partner talks to you about an issue, and they say, I need you to stop doing this. Stop doing that. I'm, I, <laughs> I'm always like, I don't know how this is not rocket science, you know, like, now you know, right? Stop doing it. And then, it, and of course, you're going to have a slip up, right? You're, oh, geez, sorry, you know, but recognize it. Say, Oh, I know you asked me not to do that. I'm sorry. I'm working on that or whatever. Don't have, don't keep doing it and then have your, have your partner come and say, I asked you. Now we've had four incidences of whatever it could be. You forgot to go to the grocery store. I told you this. You know, you're always doing the, you know, whatever it is. Cause there's very small, small things in marriages. And then there's the really big things, right? And so really you want to focus on the really big things mostly then putting so much energy into those small things. Do you think it's safe to say that people who have big things in their marriage that they don't want to deal with focus on all the little things? Yes. <laughs> because what this is what I noticed about myself is when some of the bigger things started to heal up better, those little things I could deal with so much better. I didn't focus on them. Well, it's true. They're not a big deal because but when you're mad at everything, you're like, and your socks are on the floor. And I mean, you know, it's like you're, you're so you're like worked up about so many things that you see all the little problems and your socks are weird that you're wearing. I mean, you know, just everything, all the flaws are popping out. Everything. Everybody is so different to so like there's the generalizations that about men and women and, you know, in relationships, stuff, but everybody is truly different. So for me to share some of the things that I needed from my husband, those might not be things that you ladies need from your husband. I don't know. So it really is so individual, you know, like, hey, um, I need this, you know, and then your husband as well. He's got those same needs. So you have to be willing to say, okay, I want to hear those. What are those? And I mean, and on both sides, you might be thinking, this is the dumbest thing I've ever <laughs> heard or like, I don't even understand this or, you know, whatever. But you have to just say, okay, I'm going to try to do this for you or whatever it is. Let me ask you this. As your marriage has kind of gotten better and you guys have both like worked on things, have you noticed that your needs from each other maybe have changed a little bit? And I say that because, okay, so like my husband was very touch averse for a long time. Like he didn't like to be touched. He didn't want me to touch him. Like, no, why are you on me? Why are you touching me? But as we have really worked on our marriage, and I think as he's learned to trust that I'm not going anywhere, like, because his biggest fear is that I was going to leave him, right? Like something was going to happen. He was always waiting for that thing that was going to happen that was going to make me go out the door. And, you know, eight years later, I think he's finally realized, like, all the worst has happened and I'm still here. Now he wants my touch. But I was almost conditioned not to touch him, right? So I was like, don't touch him. He's going to get annoyed. And now he's like, you never touch me. You never touch me. And then he's like, I always touch you and you never touch me. And I'm like, who's this person? But I feel like 
like something in him healed to the point that now that is comfort for him. It's safe now. It wasn't safe before and now it uh-huh. is. Did you notice things like that? Yes. Conditioning is a real thing. I actually think that's a term that they use is conditioning. It's like where, you know, just like what you had been conditioned to do with your husband, you know, and then all of a sudden it changes and you're like, wait a minute. And that takes a while. And that person has to understand that you were this way for a while. And now, you know, so you're like, okay, just, or just remind me, say, you know, if there's nothing wrong with looking over at your partner and saying, I'd really like you to touch me right now. I really need to feel you right now. And there's a difference between, okay, let, we're, we're intimacy and sex are two different things. But I'm going to tell you, ladies, when you get your marriage on track, the sex is out of this world. <laughs> <laughs> Very good tip. <laughs> and that's a lot of women. They just want to feel good about their relationships. You know, because I posted when I started posting about my marriage journey, I was doing it every Monday and I kept being asked to talk about sex. Right. And I was like, OK, you know, so I have so. Hopefully listeners are going to be okay with this. I don't really have any hangups about talking about sex. So I just laid it all out there. I took a lot of people's questions and turned them into like thoughts in the post. And then there were some things that women really wanted me to say, men, we do care about this or, you know, please understand that we have body image issues. So what you think we look like in lingerie and what we think we look like are two different things. And I mean, I've really had to lay it out. And I just realized then that, it's so important for women to feel this love and, and acceptance and admiration. Like love is so flowy because you understand what I'm saying, you know, like I have this one meme that I made up and I said, of course she wants to be loved, but she mostly wants to be adored. And that's what it, there's a difference between adoring someone and loving them. You know, if you go back to your, when you first met your partner, Oh my God. Like, you know, the way they looked at you and they couldn't just, and not be with you and everything and all these amazing feelings and stuff and then that just starts to kind of fade away and I mean sometimes it can be almost non-existent even anymore in a relationship and then if that person really wants that and they're not getting it by either way on either side you know it, it cuts out the intimacy it cuts out the sexual intimacy as well or you know the intensity or you know you're just doing it to be doing it which oh I think for women, sex is emotional. It's very emotional. It's an emotional and physical connection, but it's so driven by emotion. And so if you don't feel close to your spouse and you're not communicating well and you're not feeling understood, then it's hard to open up to them in that way. And your husband, I'm going to use this example from my relationship. So I did not feel like that my husband was attracted to me anymore or, you know, because he never said anything. I didn't get compliments. I didn't get anything that made me feel like he was attracted to me. So that was one of the things that we brought up, you know, very in the beginning of the counseling and this verbatim, this is what my husband said to Steve. Well, she knows that I think she's pretty, do I have to tell her all the time? And this was Steve. Yes, you do. (laughs) So funny because he was like, literally you could tell he was doing the face palm emoji you know and he's like okay yes you do he's like this is the thing women need that Todd they need you know like I said I gave in that counseling session I gave the example that I had been remodeling for months literally I look like I was homeless most days you know with my remodeling clothes we go to this contractor's dinner I come out of the bedroom you know I think I look like a rock star right he says nothing nothing not like, wow, you look great or dang, you know, whatever, you know. And so, you know, the counselor's like, Todd, you know, do you understand? He's like, well, yeah, I, you know, I get it. But he literally had to have that like explained or pointed out to him because in his mind, and I believe this to be true, he really thought that I knew that, that I knew that he thinks I'm pretty and attractive and, you know, but he just didn't understand that to keep that, you know, going that he needed to keep reaffirming that to me at different times. Well, it's like, I don't know, a story, a joke. I'm not sure if it's a story or a joke, but it just is in my head. Like a woman says to her husband, you know, why don't you ever tell me you love me anymore? And he's like, well, I told you once. If it ever changes, I'll tell you that. I mean, 
know? Yeah, that's and that's kind of the same thing. You know, it's like, well, she knows I love her. You know, I've heard this before. I married her, didn't I? Yeah. Anytime <laughs> I hear a man talk about how his wife doesn't like sex, I automatically think you're doing something wrong. That's why your wife doesn't like sex. <laughs> she doesn't feel close to you and she doesn't feel emotionally connected. Yeah, I'm like, I'm sorry, there is something there because I just don't think that is the general makeup of most women. I think, at least for myself, it's like, I love sex. I enjoy sex. I love to be with my partner and stuff. But when it's not a good experience or you don't feel good about your relationship, it's not that great. So then, like Cherry was saying, the emotion a part of it, you just shut down a little bit. and And then the frequency shuts down. You know, you're not really there as much as you want to be. And, you know, and then he's all like, well, you know, I kind of would like to, you know, <laughs> and you're like. Oh. And then you're just going through the motions. Yes. And then it's just, it's so much better when you are connecting with your partner. And that can happen like on an everyday basis. I can tell you when we moved downstairs and started remodeling, I could tell we were getting a little like, you know, tense. And I said, we need to go back to Steve and have some monthly, you know, talks because this is a stressful time and it's going to bring back those stressful things. And, you know, we need to be on top of it, not just be like, oh, we're back to, you know, square three again. And here we are, you know. So how did you know you were looking for an emotional focused therapist or you just lucked into that? What happened was, you know, after I had told Todd that I wanted a divorce and we talked about counseling and then I read some stuff about counseling or marriage counseling in particular. And it was like the, the statistics weren't that great. It was actually kind of like, oh, damn, you know, or darn. <laughs> I was uh, really uh, hoping, you know, I was going to see some really great thing. And then I don't know what. I mean, I call it a God moment. It was just like most effective counseling, <laughs> marriage counseling, you know. And it came up. That was like a, it was like an ad, you know, like on Google. It just said EFT. And I thought, well, what is that? I've never heard of that. I clicked on it and I read probably like an hour worth of articles and everything. And then, of course, I live in a very small town in Wyoming. And I was like, there is not a snowball's chance in hell that there is going to be a certified EFT therapist anywhere close to me. I figured I was going to have to drive like to Idaho Falls, which is an hour and a half, or to Jackson Hole, which is an hour and some, you know. And to have to find out after searching it that I had one, you know, seven miles up the road from me, I just thought, Lord, you are trying to tell me something. And I knew it right then. Just like, you know, this is not over yet. You're going to do this. And I, ladies, honestly, I went in there and I'm like, well, I'm going to just sit here and just do everything I possibly can because this is over. But, you know, I did not go into it thinking anything was going to be any different because my husband had showed me for 25 years that he was still just the guy that I had at home, you know. So I, there's no way he's not going to. You know, the 70s, or he was born in 68, but the 70s generation is what Steve refers to it, which is a very macho, machismo, big boys don't cry, you know, suck it up, you know, that kind of mentality. And when you're 50 something years old and you've been living your whole life like that, that's hard to let go of that. Well, we just have a few minutes left, but I really wanted to touch on one thing. I told you we'd have no problem talking. You brought up something in the community, in the VIP community the other day, and you called it mental load. And I was like, mental load, what is that? And when I read about it, I was like, this is what I have been trying to explain to my husband for years now, is that I am stressed out and I am burned out and I feel like I don't have any help because I am carrying the greater amount of mental load in our household. And what, like, briefly explain what it is. And then how did you talk to your husband about that? So mental load is just basically the way they explain it in therapy is like, the amount of everything that is going on in your life. And like, if you divided that up, like who's got the most of it, right? Or the mental load is just all of it. But it tends to be that it's more unbalanced on one partner. And sometimes this is intentional and sometimes it's really unintentional. You didn't say anything about it. You didn't ask me to help. You didn't, you know, so it's working through all of that. And I also want to say real quickly, though, that changes throughout your life. What you needed when your kids were little as to when they're in high school, as to now, like us, empty nesters, it's a completely different. So I think you have to discuss mental load all through your, like, process of stuff. But for me, I was doing everything. I mean, 
everything. So did you delegate tasks then? Did you sit down and divvy up household duties? How did you unburden yourself a bit? Basically just saying, I can't do this anymore. I need your help on this. If I'm going to work and do this part and, and do this too, and you know, I need some help. And for me personally, in my relationship, I'm totally fine if I have more time than my husband does at home and I don't have anything to do, I will go ahead and clean and do long. I have no problem with that. It's when I am working a lot or we have a lot going on. And, you know, like when I was saying about having company, it's like, it's not just my company, it's both our company. So you need to pitch in and do your some of this too. Or And it's not easy. Sherry, you made me think of that story. It made me think of the story. Remember when you were at our house in Augusta and we were trying to pick out a vanity for that bathroom remodel. <laughs> and Chad was like, what vanity? And I'm like, I do not even want to think about the vanity. You just choose a vanity, pick the vanity. It was a house we didn't live in. It was We a- were building a website and her husband would not stop texting her about picking out a vanity. I said to him, I do not have the mental space to care about the vanity. Any vanity you choose, any vanity they sell at Home Depot is going to be fine for this bathroom. And I'm like, stop. I'm like, my mental load was full. <laughs> Yes, and I can tell you 100%. If my husband heard you say that story, he'd say, yeah, because we've been trained not to make our own decisions because you'll be mad with the choice that we made. And that is true. I will give Todd that because there have been times when I've said, well, whatever. And then he does do something. I'm like, what is this? Like, you know, and he's like, wait a minute, you said, you know, so it's like, and I'm thinking we should know what we like or what would look good or whatever. And so I can see where men are cautious because they think, oh, I don't want to upset her because, you know, I'm trying to make the right decision. So I want to get her opinion or whatever. But the problem with mental load is women often start feeling like a mom to their partner. And if you want to be a mom to their partner, it is not sexy. No, you want a partner. And that's what I must have said that about 200 times in counseling. I want a partner. I don't want a child. I don't want someone to take care of. I want someone that's going, that we're going to take care of each other, that, you know, he can see my needs too and say, oh, wow, you've had a ton of house shoes. You've been editing, you have to edit for six days straight. You know, I probably need to maybe go to the grocery store. You know, I mean, those kinds of things instead of like women, we are just dynamos at this. Like we can blow it out of the water when it comes to multitasking and doing all of those things. So we just tend to do it. And that was me totally my fault. I just always did it because I just, I don't know, I'd be like, well, he, he'll forget or you know, whatever reason I had behind it, I would just always go and do it. And so I don't, it's partially my fault for letting it get to that point. So closing thoughts for our listeners, what do you have anything final you want to say? Well, like I said, just get help early on. When we got done with our counseling and we renewed our vows last year, our anniversary, New Year's Eve, And we did it in front of a mountain because we always joke that marriage was a mountain. You had to keep climbing it and climbing it and climbing it. And sometimes you just keep falling over and, you know, and, and and if you don't have the right tools to climb the mountain, you're not going to get there. So counseling helps you have the tools to climb the mountain. We were not born with the tools. Yes. So praise be to Steve and my partner, Todd, for like doing it. I think when I said this before, it's like he climbed when the conditions weren't ideal. And that is what you want. You want someone who's going to make the climb no matter what is happening. And, and that's hard. Even, on, even for me, there are times when I want to just be done because it's, so, it's a lot of work. It's so much work. Well, thank you so much for jumping in here. You would have thought you'd have prepped for this forever. Thank you. It's been fabulous. Before we get to the listener-led lesson this week, I want to take a minute to invite you to the Life Lessons VIP community on Circle. There, you can interact with Jen and me in a private online community, if that's what you choose to do. You can also connect with other listeners and community members, like Casey, that you just heard. I will be hosting monthly Zoom hangouts where we connect and talk. You can join us in this new VIP community by going to lifelessonscommunity.com forward slash VIP. There, you can choose your monthly membership contribution, and you can change to a different tier at the end of any month. Just choose the option that feels like the right value to you. This helps support the podcast and helps bring you more episodes of the podcast in the future. So we hope to see you there. All right. So now we have our listener-led lesson. And today's listener-led lesson comes from Bethany. 
She says, I hear Jen and Sherry recommend movies often on the podcast, and I love the suggestions. An app that I have that is so useful is Just Watch. You can search for a movie title and find out how to stream it for free or find the most cost-effective way to watch or purchase. Enjoy. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I need that too because, you know, there's so many ways. I'm constantly looking for the cheapest version. It's probably better than just Googling it, which is what I always do. But I'm sure this is better. But yeah, because I have like all the different streaming things, but you know, you don't want to take the time to go check all of those. Yeah, that's what we end up doing. Log into Amazon and look at Prime, look at Apple. So awesome. Well, my favorite part of the show, the motivational quote that we close the show out with. And today's quote comes from Kim. The quote is, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. And that is said to have been said by Henry Ford. She wrote, this really rang true for me this morning. On Monday morning, I made a spur of the moment decision to jog around the park. I am not a runner. I don't know where the wild hair came from, but I made it a little over a mile, which was quite a feat for me. I felt proud of myself and really sore yesterday, but that good kind of sore that comes from an accomplishment. Anyway, I decided this morning that I would do it again. As I walked to the park, I started feeling anxious. There was this little voice in the back of my head saying, you know, you're going to start your period in a couple of days. You might be too tired. You should just walk. I kept jogging. And again, that same little voice, you know, running is really hard on your joints. You should just walk. I kept going. I have listened to that little voice. It likely comes from fear of failure so many times in my life. It's probably why I have stopped and started so many things over the years. I have made excuses for quitting, which always sounded reasonable and rational to me, but I didn't quit this morning. This morning, I continued fighting with that inner voice until I made it around the second lap. I might not ever become a runner, but from now on, when I decide to do something, I'm going to be aware of that inner voice, and I'm not going to be talked out of doing what I want, even by myself. And that is so powerful. Yeah, we do have that inner voice that stops us from doing things. That little guy on your shoulder that says, don't do this. Go sit down instead. You deserve it. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Kim. So listeners, thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to join us in the Life Lessons VIP community. Go to lifelessonscommunity.com slash VIP to become a VIP podcast supporter for either $4.99 or $9.99 a month. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, and we would love for you to leave a review. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise like Casey that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and then listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.